I've encountered a virgins in the force. A virgins, you say? Located around a person? A boy. His cells have the highest concentration of midichlorians I have seen in a life form. It is possible he was conceived by the midichlorians. You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? I don't presume to. But you do. Revealed, your opinion is. I request the boy be tested, Master. Oh. Trained as a Jedi, you request for him, hmm? Finding him was the will of the Force. I have no doubt of that. Bring him before us, then. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 333, Virgins in the Force. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Captain Panaka and Queen Amidala, to my Sile Bibble, we have Carl LeClaire and Katie Hart. Red group, blue group, everybody anyway. <laughs> the Queen wishes it. <laughs> We're both Panaka. Unthinkable. <laughs> I will not condone a course of action that would lead us to war. Loss of communication can be only one thing. Invasion. You shut your mouth, CEO. That's <laughs> that's what Padme should have said. Hold on. Just shut your Am mouth. I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> Check the transmission generator. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, oh, man, we're all back together and perfect yes! for, for an episode that's three, three, three. You know, you got to have yes. the, you got to have the three. Yes. Exactly. Oh, we're all here. We're all fine now. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Um, <laughs> I hope this isn't a boring, boring conversation anyway. It better not be. Better not be. Podcast. <laughs> um, sorry. So, anyways, friends, what are we talking about in this episode? We're doing. We're starting something to, to, on this episode as we make our way to a particular movie. We it's, are. Ah, uh, it's only my favorite Star Wars movie. The best Star Wars movie. <laughs> we, we're talking about the Phantom Menace. We are talking about the Phantom Menace, and we're doing we're doing kind of our own journey to rise of the rise of Skywalker. Um, and we're going to be talking about each of these films once a month as we lead up to the premiere of Episode Nine in December. So, and we're going to be talking primarily, Carl. Right? Correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, Carl. But uh, love with, correcting you when you're wrong. I mean, you do it ever so sweetly. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be talking <laughs> about these films as how they would relate uh, in the overall story leading up to Episode Nine. How they all connect together in a sense. Well, as these trailers have reminded us, 
every saga has a beginning, right? Every journey has a first step. So if each one of these movies is a step in the same journey, you know, we have to go back and look at them and see where this path has led us from beginning to end. You know, they're not disparate things. They're all connected, right? Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Were you going to say yeah. something, Carl? Nope. Okay. Well, it's not <laughs> wonderful. It's perfect. You don't want to hear it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, you're a fool. Carl, you're a fool. Carl, you're a fool. But before we dive into our uh, our Journey to Rise of Skywalker Phantom Menace edition, um, we had a, a matchup from last week's episode where we, and I think you, the two of you introduced it the week before. Um, where we were looking at a epic solo showdown that never was, which would have been Dryden Voss versus Enfys Nest. Uh, Jason, what did folks have to say about this one? All right. Well, I, I'm going to kind of since, – since we definitely will have a lot to say this episode, I'm going to keep this mm-hmm. sh- short and concise. Um, they said quite a bit, and they said quite a bit very lopsidedly. Um, mm-hmm. We got uh, – for a total Larian count, 22 for Enfys Nest and 7 for Dryden Voss. I get dunked. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly was a bit surprised at how lopsided this was. Um, but I will say my thoughts. Uh, Carl, Katie, what do you think? Who do you think would win in this matchup? Oh, I think it's Enfys. I totally agree with the Larians. I think she smokes Dryden. It's not even fair. It's not even close. Like, the only reason she didn't fight him is because, like, they wouldn't let her in the elevator. You know what I mean? They were, like, <laughs> they were like weapons. You have to leave the staff. And she was like, no. And then she just kills everyone and makes her way up anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they were, like, trying to smuggle her staff in, like, you know, in the coaxium cases, the way, like, you know, Han right. smuggles in his blasters. And just it was just poking out. It was way too obvious. They were just like, no, you can't come up here. <laughs> What about yeah. you, Carl? <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm really struggling with this because like my my heart wants to give it to Enfys because I just love her character so much. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I dislike Dryden, um, but there's also a part of my heart that calls out for Dryden, who's a master of Terracasi, which is uh, oh, still oh. like my my favorite Easter egg ever to have been in a Star Wars film because I loved that video game, and we can suspect that Maul taught him Terracasi. Yeah. So yeah. like that's that's not nothing, but that being said, I do still give it a slight edge. I don't I don't think it's a like a smoke show of Enfys just dominating Dryden. I think Dryden mm-hmm. puts up a really good fight, um, and and does some serious damage to Enfys. She doesn't walk away unscathed, but the fact that like again, this is all conjecture because we don't exactly know this, and I'm sure at some point we will because they love telling mm-hmm. us extra stories. Um, but Enfys seems to imply that like she might come from a warrior culture, right? Like my mother who would still be wearing the mask, right? Like it seems like she grew up in a culture where she was trained to fight, where she was trained to be a survivalist. She was trained to like fight for something bigger. So I just get this this sense that like her whole life has been about fighting and training to fight. Whereas Dryden certainly can kick some tail when he needs to. Um, But he's also got a army of henchmen around him to do a lot of dirty work. So, I don't know. I th- again, I think it's really close, but I definitely give it to Enfys in, in a very narrow victory. Um, but what do you think, Jason? You're all wrong. Oh! Uh, <laughs> says the Dryden cosplayer. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm giving it to Dryden, and here's why. Number one, yes, the Terrace Kasi aspect 
Um, and the fact that he was most likely trained in that by Maul himself. Um, so I think that's a big factor. Number two, his weapon of choice is these little handheld, you know, daggers that make makes him have to come in real close. And you don't fight that close unless you're competent enough to handle yourself at that close range. Um, Question. Question. Do you think he gets through her armor? Mm. Yes, because he's cutting through Kira's sword. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they're like vibrant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To those, um, so I think you know he's cutting through the her sword, okay. uh, and I feel like he's the you know, and obviously we don't know this for sure. This is my this is my conjecture. I feel like Dryden is the kind of person who started off, you know, kind of in a similar, you know, circumstance mm-hmm. to Han and Kira, and he fought his way up to the top because he was arrogant and wanted the power. Um, and that's what got him to the attention of Maul. That's why he's installed at the top of this, you know, branch of Crimson Dawn or whatever. And, you know, I, I feel like even though he has his henchmen, we meet him as he's gutting a guy, you know. It's a party. It's a party. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think he's... You know, and he was taken by surprise by Kira. So if it was if it was, you know, a fight where they're both like, ah, it's you um, (laughs) and they go at it like that. If we're running this matchup 10 times, I think Dryden wins at least six of them, maybe Mm. seven. Mm. So it's it's a close match, but I think Dryden comes out on top more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. But that gives us a final tally of. 24 for Enfys Nest (laughs) and 8 for Dryden Voss. Yes. I'm a little disheartened, but (laughs) I will will survive. Although I've often been on the uh, underdog end of these (laughs) matchups. I feel like I always am. I feel like 9 times out of 10, I'm on the underdog side. (laughs) Jason's like, what do you mean Kitster can't beat Darth Vader? What? Like, come on. <laughs> come on. Kitster doesn't stand a chance. Like, oh my gosh. Kitster would be all like, this is so wizard, Annie. You're, you're like, don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> don't call me that. Zap. How do you get so lucky? You're a Sith Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So remember Masters of Terracassi? Yes. Versus Chewbacca. Oh yeah, that's right. Let's load up some gameplay. Ready? Yep. Fight. Uh huh. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to give you a little hint. I love it. <laughs> the game was so good. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Sorry for everyone who didn't care. Um, so that was a gift. We have a poll for you at the end of the episode, so certainly stick around for that. Um, we're also chugging away with the Return of the Jedi radio drama. We only got two episodes left, so tonight is episode five. So turns a galaxy, so turns a wheel. So, again, stick around at the end of the episode if you want to take part in uh, the radio drama. Um, But, my friends, like we said at the top of the show, as Katie so eloquently put Mm -hmm. it, um, this is the beginning of our saga, of our Skywalker saga. Um, So, Phantom Menace is what gets the ball rolling. And, to me, there is like, there's this all-pervasive 
Um, so really quick, if you don't mind, I just want to point out something about the music of this movie. Um, shocking. I love the Phantom Menace soundtrack and John Williams is a genius and perfect. Um, it is one of the best soundtracks in the entire saga. I couldn't agree more. Um, but the clip I, you know, I played at the top of the, the episode is where, you know, Qui-Gon saying he's encountered this virgins in the force, the music there. Um, again, this is thanks to the schooling of David W. Collins. That I can pick up on these things. But the music as he's telling about this prophecy is very mysterious and dark and ominous, which you would think in a storytelling element like, oh, the music would probably be like, oh, the force theme is going to play. Yippee, we've got the chosen one. But instead, musically, the oxygen of the film is kind of this element of foreboding. And then it immediately bleeds into Anakin's theme. So it's like, what is it like the foreboding is pointing to Anakin, who is this good character, but there's something foreboding about it. And I just feel like that's such a general sense and feel of this, of this movie. Uh, it's such an innocent movie that we've, you know, we've talked about that many oh, times yeah. on this show, but it's called The Phantom Menace. There's, <laughs> a, there's an undercurrent of, of mystery, of foreboding uh, throughout this movie that doesn't overplay its hand at all. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a good point to kind of, you know, set the tone. Yeah. Especially for our discussion, um, today, I think so. Yeah. So, um, what do you both think this whole idea of the virgins in the forces, right? So that's Phantom Menace is, well, it's an amazing movie. Um, and <laughs> you know, they encounter, you know, our, our, our early heroes encounter this virgins in the force in the, you know, in a person, in a boy, in Anakin. <laughs> um, Centered around a person? <laughs> a boy. Yeah. Boy with the highest concentration of midichlorians I've seen in a life form. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys, what do you guys think that means? What, what, what is this virgins in the force? What does that mean to you? Why is that important? Oh, gosh. Sorry, I'm like hitting you with a hard qu- I mean, I thought about it this. It is. I no, notes, it's so. heavy. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. If, if you, yeah, if you've thought about it, you could kind of take okay. it, Carl. Maybe that will help me kind of figure out what I, what I want to say. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, um, it actually made me, again, in light of Last Jedi, I was kind of thinking of it in a new way, right? Like that line that Snoke says, you know, uh, darkness rises and light to meet it, right? Um, you know, you know, I told my apprentice when, you know, as he became more powerful, his equal would, would emerge in the light to me, like this virgins in the force is this, it's this virgins of light in response to Sidious. It's in response to all the, you know, machinations of Palpatine, all of the evil plotting that Sidious is doing behind the scenes. There is this rising darkness. So there's this virgins in the force where the midichlorians themselves, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more about midichlorians later in the episode, but they kind of create this chosen one character to counter this imbalance. Um, and I've always appreciated, um, well, actually, I shouldn't say always because I've gone back and forth on it, but I currently <laughs> appreciate um, the idea of Anakin being born from a virgin, right? Like Shmi is, she gives birth to Anakin without relations. And, um, the main reason I appreciate that point is because it ties it into so many of just religious myths. Uh, you know, the, the, there's, whether you believe it or not, I mean, the myth of Jesus being born from a virgin, there's also 
tons of myths in Buddhism that the that Siddhartha was born of a virgin. Um, so like this this theme of a virgin birth is something. It's always about pointing to the importance of that character, right? Like obviously, sadly, like history and men in history have always done a great deal of work to make sure that virginity is something that is mandated for women, but that's just ridiculous. Um, but virgin birth stories are always about pointing to the importance of who's born of the virgin, right? It's just trying to say there's something really special. Look, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I think mm-hmm. so. It's really cool that George kind of uh, took that trope and put it into star Wars by making Anakin into this, this chosen one that the force literally creates um, as this virgins to counterbalance, to compete against this rising darkness. Carl, can you help me define a term? Virgins? When, virgins. Yeah. Is that what you want me to define? It, is that when you say that, are you, do you mean like virgin? No, I don't mean it. Like okay. That. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I-, I thought they meant virgins as in like, there's convergence to come towards and divergence to to leave. Yeah. And then vergence being the center point where, where those two points come together. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm yeah, sorry, no, you were no, just no. saying virgin a lot. And I was like, wait, what are we talking about here? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that they're so similar, but. Well, yeah, so, they, yeah. well, they sound similar. So, so um, yeah, for me, when we talk about this vergence in the force and, you know, and Anakin being this kind of focal point of, of the force Mm. to me that that reminds me of like the fulcrum the balance you know that that tipping point and and anakin does represent that yeah that space in the middle and we see that like in the clone wars in the motors arc how he's able to stand between light and dark and control them both Mm -hmm. you know so so yeah that's what i think of when i think of that that virgence in the force it's the theme of balance which of course is going to come up again and again in star wars Mm. you know what does it mean to stand in the middle like that and be that tipping point have that balance yeah Yeah. and and this idea uh, of, of anakin being brought about by the force to counteract uh the evils that are going on in the galaxy is something that was uh talked about in the Darth Plagueis novel, which is, of course, Legends right now, but it's still a book that could come into canon without much issue whatsoever. Um, But in that book, when Plagueis starts experimenting with creating life, he twists the Medichlorians to essentially bring someone he has tortured to death back from the dead, kind of a thing. You know, Mm -hmm. he, he... it, or at least he, he's running experiments trying to do that. Um, and the force reacts violently. And, it, you know, it, it does not appreciate this at all. Mm-hmm. And so when Anakin shows up on Coruscant and Palpatine kind of finds out who this kid is and what this kid is about, he's like, oh, that kind of all started when, when Plagueis was running his experiments. And so Plagueis is really kind of freaked out about it and curious and, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. So it, 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 that idea has definitely been played with a lot um, in the expanded material. And I think it's only a matter of time before something like that works its way into actual canon now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think definitely because of that, the, you know, this is another reason why the prophecy of the Chosen One really kind of refers to the virgins that is Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those 
things converge um, in yes. this one person. You know, the chosen one and the the prophecy about balance and the you know the imbalance that was caused by the Sith all converge and hinge on Anakin. Mm-hmm. And this is where we kind of start learning about all that stuff, um, and and we set the stage for <laughs> what is to come. And it's not all pretty. Mm. Unlike this movie, this movie is very beautiful. This movie is beautiful. It's, <laughs> I love it so much. I want to like lovingly caress it. It's so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got the Phantom Menace playing on my computer in the background while we're talking, and I literally just watched the oh my gosh waterfall, and that's yeah. what I was but this movie is beautiful. So no, um, <laughs> serious. I I have it on a lot. I just like to be near it. I just like to be near the Phantom Menace. It's just <laughs> on. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> did who, where do we want to go next? Uh, Carl, you have something or Katie? Uh, goodness, yeah. yeah. As far as, you know, we're talking about themes, you know, that we pick up on in this movie and, and themes that we think are going to carry through the rest of the saga. For me, a big one is this idea of symbiosis. Mm. Because this that that word is said a couple times in The Phantom Menace. You know, first as Obi-Wan saying, you and the Nabu from a symbiote circle. What, hap- what happens to one of you will affect the other. You must understand this. Like you exactly. must like he's like hi hello yeah, yeah. <laughs> duh like, so obvious Obi Wan's like come on you guys figure it <laughs> out caring about Dabu yeah <laughs> and then uh, and then yeah Obi uh, Qui Gon brings that up with Anakin talking about the the midichlorians that live inside mm-hmm. of us they yeah. they live inside me inside, inside yourselves, yourselves. Yes. yes and we are symbionts with them you know symbionts yeah exactly all of us all of us are like doing the Jake Lloyd face like symbionts. <laughs> Life living together for mutual advantage. For mutual advantage. That's exactly it. And so, you know, again, it does kind of circle back to this idea of balance. You know, these two things, yeah, that have to, we have to live together. You know what I mean? The Naboo and the Gungans, they share a planet. They, you know, they both live here. This is their home. And they have to share this planet. And what happens to one of them will affect the other. So they have to find a way to get along you know, they will always be very different, but they have to find a way to share that planet. And um, and then it's the same thing with us and the force. You know, we're all living together and we're all connected in that way. So we have to, you know, find a balance and find a way to get along. And again, that's just going to be, I think, a huge, huge theme throughout all of Star Wars. Yeah. So yeah. tell me, what are your uh, what do you guys think about symbiosis? Uh I haven't thought about it much outside of the Phantom Menace, and so mm-hmm. I'm going to have to like go back and either in my head or watch these movies with that in mind. But you know the the idea that we, especially as we move forward, and I'm going to come out of the Phantom Menace slightly and start looking at a macro view here for a second. Yeah. But as we move forward and we start seeing what a lack of symbiosis brings um, in. Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, mm. you know, when, when a one idea is, you know, propagated as the idea and we, we eliminate all this, you know, we, we have clones for goodness sake, you know, they, they're not symbiotic, they are identical. Um, but then we move back into the rebellion and we have a symbiosis of cultures and ideas that come together to form this resistance against the Galactic Empire. Um, and, you know, Ewoks fighting with their 
alliance uh, in return of the jedi and things like that um i, I think that's a great uh, a great theme to continue to to push forward i'd have yeah. to think a little bit more well, deeply because, um, yeah it makes me on think that. it's not something i'd thought of initially well because it, it all comes back to the light and the dark right the idea mm-hmm. of balance. Um, you know, what does Snoke say? Darkness rises and light to meet it. You know? Mm. What happens to one of you will affect the other. Mm. You know, we're we're always trying to, you know, destroy the other side. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna live together. You know? Like and and you know, the just the way Obi Wan spells it out so plainly, you know, and so like like he almost like he's talking down to children. Like you <laughs> must understand this. Like how do you not get that what you do will affect the other is just, I don't know. It's very interesting. And it does kind of speak to the arrogance of the Jedi that, you know, Obi-Wan can kind of say it so plainly, but then miss it so completely with how it comes up in his own life, you know? Yeah. 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 And that's, yeah, that's actually a theme I was thinking about a lot too, is I was, you know, uh, Mm. thinking about how Phantom Menace might play in. And I mean, literally like the, like you said, Katie, I mean, this, this, Mm -hmm the very first instance where it's brought up is this disconnect between the Naboo and the Gungans. And to be fair, it's, you know, while boss Nass was certainly getting his kind of pig headed arrogance towards mm. the Naboo. It's also pretty clear that that comes from them as well, even though they never say it. Now that's the funny thing. I remember listening to one of the, one of the episodes that the blast points guys did when they started their Phantom Menace year and they kind of read <laughs> through the original screenplay for Phantom Menace um, the Naboo, specifically Panaka and Padme, make some pretty like racist comments about yeah. the Gungans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and like it's part not of me, great. It's yeah, not great. like part of me wishes they kept in even just one of them, just to show that like it's mutual, right? Like there's this mutual disdain. It's not like the Gungans are the jerks alone. They're both jerks. Um, and well, I think you, it certainly it says something that Padme, the queen, right. looks at Jar Jar and You're says, a "You're a Gungan, aren't you?" She's never seen one before, yeah. and it's she's right. literally never yeah. seen one. That says something, right? Yeah, like, and she yikes, and she doesn't necessarily say it like she's disgusted, right? Yeah, um, she's like, and, "This is different," you yeah. know. She's yeah. like, "I don't know what to do here." <laughs> yeah, but it, like it, again, it, it introduces this really big theme though of what happens when cultures aren't capable of cooperating right what Mm. happens when you're not able to work together um and even on a grander scale what the phantom menaces at work doing is is create not only creating disorder but creating dominance right Right. um that one that one particular way of doing things one way of being is somehow better than the other and we see that plaguing the jedi we see that plaguing the senate Right. We see that is very much becoming a plague in this galaxy that's disrupting everything is rather than um, living in the balance of symbiosis. We have people trying to dominate and disconnect, Um, Mm -hmm. which to me is like that's such a great theme, not just in Star Wars, but that's a reality, sadly, in our own world. Um, And I just I love that we get that interplay between the Naboo and the Gungans. Now, personally, I'd much rather hang out with the Gungans. I think they're way cooler. The Naboo do come across (laughs) as a little snooty. Um, And I just think the Gungans, I want to play in the swamp. You know, like I just want to roll around with Jar Jar and go fishing with tarples, go to the sacred place. Um, I don't particularly want to hang out with Boss Nass because I feel like I'd get spit on. But like I want to hang out with some of the other like his ad, you know, his advisors that are always there behind him. Um, the, you know, it's the rep council. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, they, they are the rep. They're the rep council. I want. Um, I want a. I want a black series six inch set of them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and the caretakers. They can all be in a little set together. I'd love all it. All of the caretakers. Oh, oh. oh. Not we could They're... call. We could call that set the caretakers of your heart. Oh. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh! I want to like ship them now, like for serious. I'm like, wait, what would their babies look like? Little Gungan and Fishnun babies. Oh my god! They both oh. love the water. So. Oh my goodness. Um, well, um, can I bring up yeah. uh, something that is definitely, definitely tying, you know, all these movies together? Mm. Uh, maybe someone is a better descriptor, um, and he is the Phantom Menace itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the machinations of one Senator Sheev Palpatine. Don't you mean uh, Foden Bead? Yes, of course, food and bead. They are the masterminds of evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Palpatine, and and uh, this is this is going to come up eventually. You know, uh, in this episode sooner or later. But um, he definitely, he and his machinations and his manipulations, you know, all really start coming together here in the Phantom Menace, and then once they are you know, fulfilled in Revenge of the Sith, it's his order, his galactic empire, and then the ramifications of what he puts into place are echoing loudly into the sequel trilogy, mm. um, and perhaps almost tangibly with what we're going to get in The Rise of Skywalker. We don't know w- what exactly we're getting with Palpatine, in the rise of Skywalker, my theory is that he's going to be a literal phantom menace mm, mm. Um, in <laughs> in the rise of Skywalker. He's so like he's he's in the sewers, you know, like playing the organ, wearing a half mask, you know, bum 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 bum. bum. Yes, yes, uh, the Phantom of the Death Star. Um, yes. Oh my gosh! He's just, yep, he's just in the bowels of the Death Star. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, you know, what if he is actually like a ghost and he's the Phantom Menace again? I would, oh I would die from from that echoing so on the nose. Um, <laughs> I would love it, but I, I think he definitely, he and his machinations and what he puts into place, you know, which all starts here in the Phantom Menace, is the driving force that all of our heroes have had to fight against, you know, um, in in the entire saga. So I think it would make sense to have some sort of end to that, in a sense, in The Last Jedi. I don't, or not The Last Jedi, in The, in the Rise of Skywalker. I don't know how they're going to do that or how they're going to pull that off. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes sense to bring him back into our minds mm-hmm. um, as we, we do something to kind of, eliminate him once and from once and for all not only from you know physical corporeal existence but um in terms of of uh worldview and galactic domination mm-hmm. so purge that once and for all get rid of the first order in a sense to where his view and his order does not continue because First Order is directly if we if you read the aftermath trilogy, First Order is a direct uh, mm-hmm. creation of Palpatine's you know dying wish. He's like, if I die, you guys need to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, 
Yeah, and that's also fleshed out in the Battlefront 2 story. Yeah. Right? So, oh, yeah. yeah. With the, with the Sidious robot? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, no, I mean, that's – right, exactly. Palpatine, who is the Phantom Menace of this movie as well as the entire saga, while he obviously mm-hmm. isn't directly in any way – not directly involved in either 7 or 8 – he is still indirectly involved, right? I mean, like you just said, Jason, the First Order is literally uh, created out of the ashes of the Empire, right? And they, they actually even, I mean, it does say that in right the opening crawl for Force Awakens, like out of the ashes of the Empire, there's this First Order thing that came around, right? Mm-hmm. So Palpatine's influence is there beyond death, right? In the same yeah. way that Hitler's influence is sadly still part of us with like, you know, skinheads and that whole bs fascist movement right um like you know he's a monster who still has influence beyond death i still Mm -hmm. want to hold to the fact that palpatine will not physically be alive in this movie um it's going to take a lot to convince me why that exists um i'm trying my best to be open-minded and be like well i think it's a cool idea i also like I'm very wary because every scenario in Legends canon where he comes back is so stupid. When you look back on <laughs> right. it, right? Like in the in the mid '90s when you're a new young yeah. Star Wars fan, like it was awesome because you're just like, "Oh, great, the Emperor's back! This is awesome!" Yeah, exactly. But like you right. look back on it now, and it's like this is stupid. Um, I mean, Didn't that's have, that's like, my opinion. Like, right? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, he had a bunch of them, and like he and, tries to he tries to corrupt baby Anakin Solo and like oh put his spirit gosh. into him. Like it's. It's silly stuff like that that like to me like that doesn't really that doesn't really encapsulate the kind of fantasy that Star Wars is, right? Um so I think that like the influence that Palpatine already has by the time we get to you know Phantom Menace is you know that's that's huge, right? He there's there's no corner of the galaxy that he doesn't have his fingers in. <laughs> um yeah. And and that's the thing. And he's right? still like, just a senator here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he's got a secret apprentice. He's got, um, you know, he's got such a, a profound influence. And that's the thing, like, even the uh, the political stuff going on in Phantom Menace. Um, so Embo takes like five minutes to decide. <laughs> I know. Your um, cat is just, I'm just watching your cat on the <laughs> webcam. I'm like, hey, you guys, I'll, is this the Wampa's Lair? I want to be in the Wampa's Lair. <laughs> yeah. Hey. What's up? Um, so, you know, I think the the conflict with Naboo, right? Naboo is this kind of small, out-of-the-way planet. It's not, you know, it's not wildly important um, in the grand scheme of things, right? It's, it's not part of the inner rim from what we gather. And yet, even out there, that's where Palpatine chooses to start his... Um, you know, his plans. I mean, I guess it makes sense. He is the senator from there. So mm-hmm. if he's going to get any sort of influence or clout or um, sympathy votes, it makes sense <laughs> that he attacks his own planet, right? Um, yes. So that he can yeah. elevate himself, right? He's using that that dualism, right? Which is also a huge theme of this movie that I don't think necessarily oh, yeah. has to feed to the Rise of the Skywalkers of, but... Um, Right, like he uses his Sith persona to elevate his public persona. So, right. Um, right. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, he is a huge player in this. Um, yeah. Oh, goodness. What, 
what really touches me and elevates this movie for me and I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about the Phantom Menace every second of episode nine, I think, you know, (laughs) because, um, you know, you you look at this movie. This is is episode one, not a new hope. You know Mm. what I mean? People are like a new hope is where it starts. And yes and no. There's a reason this is episode one, because this shows us, you know, this movie ends and everything feels good, right? Yeah. It feels so good. We we've won, you know, and and um, you know we're we're sitting there and we're declaring peace, you know, peace. Yeah. And and so you look at that, but you know that something here isn't right, and you know that that it's not going to last. You know, we we know it. Watching this, and and then of course you know it's it's in the music. We talk about this all the time about how that that parade song, the song that sounds so good and sa- and feels so good, is actually celebrating the emperor because that's his theme. You know, that's the 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 victory of this is a victory for the dark side and not a victory for the galaxy. Um, and so you, you look at this movie and you're like, well, why isn't this? It. Why mm. isn't this peace for all time? Why isn't this everlasting peace? And why wasn't it everlasting peace at the end of episode six? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I look at this movie and I'm like, well, it's because there's an evil here that, that they just don't see and don't care to look for. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think the Sith could have returned without us knowing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, yeah, there's an evil here that they just don't yeah care care to look for and and so so yeah it 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 endure they don't acknowledge it you know what i mean they right. don't acknowledge the dark side and when and when we don't acknowledge it when we don't accept it we can't balance it mm. you know what i mean it it festers it it it's you know it it hides in the minor keys you know it's malignant it, yeah it it corrupts you know what i mean and it, that's how i feel it it hides in the minor keys and even when it feels good you know subconsciously somehow this isn't right mm-hmm. you know because you don't acknowledge it you know and you do you have to bring that dark side those bad feelings those you know all of that you have to bring it out and and accept it balance it you know and that's what I see happening with like our sequel trilogy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like in order to move forward, in order to have that everlasting peace, we do have to figure out how to get along. You know, we have to have that, that everlasting peace without those, those, that evil, you know, that phantom menace hiding in the minor Mm. keys. Yeah. You know, like, gosh, gosh. (laughs) Festering malignant wound upon the galaxy. That is Palpatine. Ladies and gentlemen, um, absolutely, absolutely. Gosh, yeah. Uh, so. You know, and to me, another central theme uh, that mm-hmm. worth to me worth like maybe looking at a bit more too is um, this idea of the the problem of the Jedi Order, right? right? Which is yep. kind of something yeah. you were just hinting at, Katie. Right? The mm-hmm. you know, the, like the typical um, arrogance of Mace Windu, who I hate. <laughs> Will forever hate. Um, you know. <laughs> like freaking Qui Gon's all like, yeah, I was attacked in the desert. It was a Sith Lord, red lightsaber uh, Sith Lord. It was a Sith Lord, and Jimmy Sanders like, impossible. sounds fake. It's yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds for fake. millennia. You're a liar, uh, is what you are, Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, he's <laughs> a liar. They they stop short of calling him a liar, but they're I like. 
you're outside of the lines anyways, so maybe you're not seeing things clearly. He's like <laughs> Thor in, 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 in the Ragnarok movie where it's like, mm, is he though? It's like he's a Sith Lord. Is he though? Is he? Yes. Yes, he is. Oh, um, my gosh. Like, it's like, you know, oh, my gosh. Yeah, Mace Windu sitting back like, uh, which one of us is on the council? So uh, I'm going to, we're going to defer to my authority on right. this issue, not yours, Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> Hold up. Hold up, Mace Windu, Mr. Smarty Pants. Uh, you invited Qui-Gon on the council, and he nope. turned you down. Yeah. Because. Oh, still uh, still better. Move. Still Wait, better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's still better. Still yeah, better. Like, oh my gosh! Like Mace Windu, he's just like he's just upset because Qui Gon Jinn turned him down for prom, and yeah. he's just like he's not letting that go. <laughs> <laughs> just, I didn't want yeah. to go with you anyway. <laughs> um, oh my. That's a, that's a reference to Master and Apprentice, folks. In case you're wondering. Oh my um, gosh! Oh, what a power move when Qui Gon's like, I'm not going to sit on the council. Nah, pass. Yeah. Hard Hold pass. Obi Wan yeah. was more important. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, my emotions. <laughs> yeah, relationships trump codification. <laughs> Yo, um, but uh, yeah, like, there we go. There's a there's another tie into this exact subject. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now, so you know one thing one thing I've always appreciated though about the Jedi the High Council right like because there mm-hmm. apparently there are several councils that meet in the Jedi Temple and this is the High Council that we are all, we're always with. And I do love that the High Council is made up of 12 members because, again, like in like Western Christianity, that's super the, – the Judeo-Christian uh, symbolism there is pretty strong. The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles. Um, the thing that's always bugged me though in the films um, is that <laughs> literally the only Jedi that get to talk on that council are Yoda, Mace Windu, and Kiedi Mundi and then eventually yeah. Obi-Wan. Like, right. what about everyone else? Like, Yaddle. yeah, you're telling me, Why you're telling Yaddle me, get to talk. I, you know, like, uh, I'm um, just like, I'm in the. Oh my gosh, that's one of my biggest gripes with Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, let the women talk. Mm-hmm. Padme's the only woman who's allowed to talk in Revenge of the Sith. Like, straight up, you know, like we see women, but they're mm-hmm. not allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I don't like that about the council either is that they only let, you know, there's women in the room. They, there sure are nice ornaments to have, but they don't let them speak. It's a, uh, don't like it, sirs. Yeah, it's problematic. <laughs> yeah, problematic. Yeah. Um, well, well, you know, obviously part of that is just for time's sake with the filmmaking, sure. but you know, yeah, but, yeah, no, it's real funny how you know when we have to cut yeah. for time, women are the ones who end up on the cutting room floor. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying the fact yeah. that they only have like three, maybe four people on the council speaking because if they have yeah. 12 people on the council speaking in a scene, um, that gets a bit much sure, for yeah. movies, okay. sure. but gotcha. you know, uh, just for the filmmaking perspective, I'm that's what I'm saying. I, you know, they could have given you know, made Kiari Mundi a woman, and you know, sure. Yeah, but um, or just had Depa Balaba in his seat. Yeah, yeah there something we go. like that. Yeah. But you know, it, it, you know. It, but yes, I, <laughs> I am, I, I'm, I'm with you guys there. But like, it's it. You know, for filmmaking, you can't have twelve people talking in a scene like that, especially right. when nobody knows who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like it would be like Rogue One. I'm in the back, going like, just let the girl speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Hero proposing? <laughs> what is she proposing? Yes. Well, can you imagine Hero Poof trying to talk? You know, right? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> that long neck. How how would that voice sound coming out of that really long neck? The mm. thin and reedy. It's always, I don't know. Anyway. He's always so swaying sorry, back and forth too. Right. Um, I'm so sorry. Talking about yeah, the the failures and the you know the clear the clear failing of the Jedi in this movie. You know, this really does yeah. set up that the Jedi. You know, yeah. They what do they call them in the crawl? They're supposed to be, you know, the protectors of guardians of peace and justice. Guardians of peace and justice. Yeah, that's what they're supposed to be. But then it's kind of clear. It's made clear to us that that they're failing. That there's just things Visibly. they don't see. Right. Yeah. You exactly. Know, and, and you know, it, it's so interesting too that like. The temple itself is this beautiful building um, on the capital planet. And this it, it, minor spoiler alert, like super minor from Master and Apprentice. I love that there's that moment where Qui-Gon's talking about whether – I think he's talking with Rail about whether or not you know, they think that it makes sense that the Jedi are on Coruscant. Like Qui-Gon makes the point of like we've lost our roots. Like we've lost our connection to the living force. We're on like the – busiest planet in the galaxy like we shouldn't be there not yeah, not in yeah. our entirety at least right like maybe a representative or something right a consulate an embassy um but uh oh my gosh yeah i like, loved that he was talking about having you know what if we raised our younglings on lots of different planets yeah. because for obi-wan obi-wan had only ever known coruscant and so, so for him he thought coruscant was just like the standard right. you know yeah and, and anything that that wasn't as cool and fancy as as coruscant was an outlier you know, like it, he didn't understand that that was the norm, you know, like Corset is, is the exception, not not the baseline. Right. right. Like, yeah, like and, that was so fascinating. Yeah. And, and I think like that's it feeds so much of who Qui-Gon's character is in this movie and the fact that he is he's our Jedi mystic. He's the one who's connected to the living force and therefore is constantly trying to hear and respond to the will of the force. Um, but you've got this council of kind of elites and they're just, you know, held up in this room where they're held by their codes and their doctrines and their dogma. Mm. And it makes them so incapable of being the effective guardians of peace and justice, right? Because they're so darn busy with maintaining their own power and prestige. Like, and I don't think that's an overt thing, right? Like, I don't think that's ever specifically shown in this film or in general necessarily. But there is something about people who are, who are in positions of privilege for a long period of time, positions of power and privilege for a long period of time. They don't want to give it up. I mean, Palpatine's kind of right in his point to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith about those who right. gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. I don't think mm-hmm. he's wrong there. Um, no, yeah. probably and, not. Um, you know, and I think, like... Part of Sidious's plot, and if if we want to humanize him just for a moment, I think part of his understanding is is that the galaxy's, uh, you know, is falling apart, and he's the one who's going to fix it. Now, granted, he's not he's not a good guy, right? He wants to dominate. No. He wants the power for himself, mm-hmm. but he also sees the Jedi as this, you know, corrupted thing that he wants to just rip out, you know, root and stem. To quote Daenerys, <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, and um, I just think like, yeah, the Jedi or the Jedi in the Phantom Menace means the Jedi Order, right? Yeah. Like I think and like I, I was thinking about this a lot in, 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 in light of my own like spiritual journey in the last you know year um, and how like like I can I can look at the Catholic Church that was most of my life and say like. You know, for a lot of people, when you think of the Catholic Church, you think of the institution, you think of that 
capital city in the you know in Italy and the Vatican and all the corruption that exists there. And while like on the ground floor, that's really not what your typical Catholic is about, right? Like your typical Christian is a, a person of who's trying to like live out the, the will of God. But yet you get these people who are kind of obsessed with their power and prestige and they start failing what they're supposed to be doing miserably. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the history of the Roman Catholic Church pretty much since it became a state power. It's continually failed and continues to fail. Um, and I, I, that's how I see the Jedi Order by the time we get to the Phantom Menace is that it was something great, um, but it's put itself behind all these barriers and boxes and boundaries that it's incapable of being what it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. really excited to see specifically how that's going to get flushed out with Ray's journey, right? Like right. She is right. Who, a she thousand, is, yeah. thousand generations live in you now. Like, yeah. oh, what you going to oh. do with it? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, everyone knows that the Jedi are some of my favorite parts of Star Wars. And when I say the Jedi, I mean the individuals, Mm. you know, the Jedi Order, you know, there's a lot of great ideals that, you know, are in the Jedi Order. However, the functionality of said order, by the time we reach the prequels, and especially we we start to see that here in the Phantom Menace, uh, is that they have been over the decades and the centuries and the millennia, they have gotten so intertwined with governments and bureaucracy that they don't even really resemble as far as a, you know, functional face to the galaxy, what they originally started out as. And, you know, obviously a lot of the stuff where, you know, I'm sure they, they started working with the governments and stuff like that as a way to help coordinate better so they could you know be you know more helpful in certain scenarios it was out of out of you know wanting to be helpful and more accessible and things like that i'm sure but over the millennia it just keeps getting more and more entrenched and enmeshed and bureaucratized to the point where it is now essentially uh the republic's special operations police force yeah right you know they They talk about going on patrols you know like yeah yeah. and and it's it's one of these things where the the jedi seemed you know the the idea that we get is in the past they they seem to be a bit more nomadic and they would go where they were needed Mm -hmm. um not necessarily where they were invited Mm -hmm. so and now especially since they work within the framework of the republic they go where they're asked, and that's about it. Unless you're Qui Gon Jinn, um, so you know. Yeah. So and, um, and and the whole institution, of course, we see ends up being completely brought low and brought down, um, and smashed to bits. And moving this forward to the macro view of this, um, we see that. Obi-Wan and Yoda in the class, uh, the original trilogy start back at the basics when they're talking with Luke about this. It is the basics, you know, reach out with their feelings, trust the force. Right. Well, you know, it is. Even, it's not the basics. It's it's the heart, right? Like, it's the it's, heart. It's, it's, it's the, the yeah. essence of yeah. a Jedi because they don't have a lot of time to train him per se. They are there to help make sure he has the connection and he can learn and listen from the force itself. Right. Um, 
And that is what Luke ends up being able to pass on to Rey after his own Jedi Academy gets destroyed by, by Kylo, um, by Ben, you know, and, uh, and I'm very interested to see what, what Ray does with it moving forward, because, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get and like a Jedi order again. And the, the theory, one of the theories going around is that she forms a new order based off the Jedi order yeah. in a sense, um, called the Skywalkers or something like that. That's that. <laughs> that is a theory going out there. I don't know if I subscribe to it yet. It's an interesting idea. Um, but you know, I'm very curious to see what she does, or if she just kind of does the nomadic thing, mm-hmm. and we start back from nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than you know Luke trying to start back in the old mode, does she just start back from nothing, and we start the nomadic thing where she wanders the universe and picks up people as she goes? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm very curious. Well, you know, bringing it back into to, to Phantom Menace, um, I think, you know, Qui Gon's, you know, frustrated, right? Like that, that when I love that, oh, God, I love that shot of Obi Wan and Qui Gon standing with the sunset before him on Coruscant. That's just mm. a beautiful visual. Yeah. Um, and all right, and then Anakin's, te- te- you know, technically he's now he's being tested at dusk, right? Like the. Right. Like that, that symbolism is pretty on the nose, um, you know. Um, but in that moment when Obi-Wan's like, if you'd only, you know, follow the, the count, you know, the code, you'd be on the council. Um, and the reality is, is like Qui-Gon will never be on the council. I mean, yes, we get this obviously fleshed out a lot in Master and Apprentice, which is, again, a great book. If you have the ability to please read it. <laughs> um, yes. Or listen to it, um, you know, but I think for Qui-Gon, you know, he believes in the Jedi, right? Like, it's not like he just walks away, like Dooku, right? They reference that right. a lot in Master and Apprentice, they talk a lot about, you know, just questioning, essentially, like, why did Dooku leave? Because um, there's another Jedi character we meet, you know, in, in the book who's also a former apprentice of Dooku's. Um, and, you know, Dooku, you know, and we even get this a little bit in Attack of the Clones, like, he gets fed up and leaves. Well, Qui-Gon, and this is the thing that I also kind of love about Qui-Gon, is Qui-Gon doesn't just leave he stays because he believes in the jedi he doesn't necessarily be like up want to uphold all the codification of the order but he does believe in the jedi the reality of the jedi the importance of the yeah. Jedi. now yeah. here, here's something i was thinking about a lot and it's not probably an original question but i just really curious what the two of you think of this is do you think maybe qui-gon was wrong to bring anakin to be trained as a jedi right like he, no no okay no I had a dream I was a Jedi. I came mm. back here and freed all the slaves. You know, it, mm. dreams are important in Star Wars. Mm. Dreams are doubly important to the Chosen One. Mm. And if he dreamed he was a Jedi, I think that was for a reason. I think the Force was telling him something. Mm. I think the Jedi failed him, okay. but I don't mm. think that was wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And and of course, with the whole intention was that he was going to be training Anakin, and I feel mm-hmm. like Qui Gon would have been the only one who would have been able to train Anakin, quote unquote, correctly. I don't know. You know, that's sort of a, a, a loaded term, but the only one who would have been able to 
help Anakin and understand yeah. Anakin enough to walk him through his challenges and his frustrations uh, so that he didn't get to the point where he needed to rely on Palpatine, yeah, you know, for, for emotional support. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because God love Obi-Wan Kenobi. He is emotionally <laughs> unattached. Um, <laughs> and you know, thing. I love Obi-Wan Kenobi, but he, yeah. you know, you know, while, while, yes, we get the idea that he is very, by the end of Revenge of the Sith, he says, you know, you're my brother, Anakin, I loved you. And there obviously oh is that God. bond expressed as a finally, master, finally. as a master, <sighs> Obi-Wan, I think sees the, the idea of, of being emotionally detached as part of the training process, which drives me a little nuts, but God love him, you know, but Qui-Gon would have been able to handle Anakin, I think, you know, and, and we could have avoided a lot of the heartbreak that came since Qui-Gon died. If, if he had been able to train Anakin, you know, but I, I don't think it was wrong for him to bring Anakin to the Jedi because where else are you going to get that kind of training in this day and age? You know, <laughs> is Qui-Gon going to just leave the order to train Anakin? I don't think so. He because totally could have. He, totally he could, could, yeah. he could have. He could have, but he just Carl fills just... out the adoption paperwork and leaves. <laughs> just, You're my son now. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, he could have. He might have oh. considered it, but Carl, you just said he still believes in the ideals of the Jedi. Right. You know, well, so and then he I, even says to Anakin, right, when they're leaving for Naboo again, he's like, I can't train you, but I want you to stay close to me and watch me. Right. Yeah. Like, I think he also thinks like, well, we'll deal with this more directly when we get back. And even the council says exactly. that. But, you know, Qui-Gon, you're right, Jason. Like, he does kind of concede to their decision. Um, probably I much to like, his chagrin. I feel so strongly that it should not have taken Anakin to be like literally hacked to pieces, laying on the ground, screaming and crying for Obi-Wan to say, I love you. That should, you know what I mean? It Mm. should not, he should not have needed to see Anakin that broken to say those words. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) compassion, which I would define as unconditional love. (laughs) It's it's central to a Jedi's life, right? Mm. Yeah. That's Anakin's Uh, POV. And and if, if, Obi-Wan doesn't say that. Right. And so, and so Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan so clearly loved Anakin unconditionally loved him and he should have, the Jedi should have let him, you know, the Jedi should not have been so emotionally constipated and, you know, (laughs) void of attachments that they're, you know, that they are like, wow, you can't, you can't say, I love you to someone you care about. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, goodness gracious. goodness (laughs) goodness <laughs> oh, great balls of fire yeah um that's the death star um yeah, that's exactly the death star <laughs> um emotionally constipated that's, i'm going to use that thank you katie that's obi-wan kenobi for you <laughs> <laughs> that's the jedi order for you yeah, um, yeah exactly let's let's be honest it's not just obi-wan um Obi-Wan's a bit more free-flowing than the rest of the Order, and especially the Council. Well, um, not, not in Phantom Menace, he's not. <laughs> you true. Know? No, he, you're right. He he's is in, so by the book in the yeah. Phantom Menace, it's painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, and he's, he's, he clearly he holds the Council in such high esteem in a way that Qui-Gon does. And again, not that Qui-Gon disrespects them, 
Um, or, you but know, he defies them, but he yeah. defies them. Right. He openly <laughs> says, like, I don't agree with that. Um, right. Whereas Obi-Wan. Right. Yeah. Like he just looks up to them and sees them as everything he ought to be. Right. Whereas Qui-Gon looks at them and sees everything they they're supposed to be. Right. Right. So Obi-Wan's looking up saying like, oh, that's the ideal. That's what I have to be. And Obi in Qui-Gon. And when I say looking down, I don't mean it. And like he's looking down on them in an, like a arrogant way. But he looks down and says, we're better. Than, like, you're better than this. Like, we need to be yeah. better than that. We're, why aren't you yeah. listening to the living force? Right. And I think that's, again, going back to that theme of symbiosis. Mm-hmm. Um, the council is not living in the symbiotic relationship with the force. What are they living somewhat in a symbiotic relationship with? Government. Right. Like the Senate, yeah. the chancellor, like, yeah, there's kind of a symbiosis there, but that's not where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be with the force, with the living force. Um, so they're doing it wrong. <laughs> and that's what's going to get it taken advantage of by Palpatine. Right. Like, you know, whenever, you know, there have been a lot of folks ever since Last Jedi came out, you know, well, specifically the, the teaser trailer where, you know, it ends with <laughs> Luke saying, like, it's time for the Jedi to end. You know, myself included was like, oh, you can't have a Star Wars story without Jedi. Um, yeah. You know, and people have, have thought that even with the sequel trilogy of like, oh, gee, are we never going to have a Jedi order again? It's I think the reality is like, you know, the right Phantom Menace. We, we know that up until that point, at least a thousand years, if not longer, um, yeah. the Jedi being an order in some capacity and being present to the galaxy doing what they're supposed to be, the guardians of peace and justice. But it's gotten to this point where they've so kind of, oh, we're going to disconnect from the force and connect to this political movement. And that's where Sidious says, oh, perfect. Right? Because then <laughs> yeah. he starts a war that thou, they have to fight. You know, yeah. right. You know, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Not well, soldiers. Not yeah. but, by the but. end of Attack of the Clones, that's <laughs> very different. Yeah. Oh, so. Man. Yeah, my, I have another theme for this movie that I wanted to talk about. It ties in yeah. really well to, to what you're saying here. I think this idea of, of the Jedi getting entangled in the government, it probably started in a really good place, honestly. Oh, sure. Because I think there's a reason that we have Padme. Mm. And we have Padme who looks into the camera. She looks into the camera. She looks at us. And she says, I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. You know what I mean? Mm. This is our our young queen, you know what I mean, who has been elected by the people. You know, the voice of the people, you know, the voices of these people have all come together and elected this ruler. You know what I mean? And and you look at Padme and you just, you know that these people voted for her on their hopes. You know what I mean? Mm. They voted for her because they believed in her and they believed in the best that she could do. You know what I mean? And so when you have a leader like that who you voted for with your hopes, you get Padme who brokers peace, who uses her, you know, words, who will not condone war. You know, she'll def- she does reach out to the Gungans to defend her planet. You know what I mean? But that's not the same as open war. Mm. And then by the end of the the prequel trilogy, we have a ruler who is elected when people vote on their fears. Mm. We have Palpatine when people vote because they're scared, afraid, and angry. You know what I mean? How dare these separatists bring war upon us? You know what I mean? Of course we're going to elect a chancellor, a strong chancellor, you know, who can keep us safe. You know what I mean? That's not people voting with their hopes like they voted for Padme. They voted with their fears. They listened to the dark side. 
you know, they listened to that that fear and anger, the dark side are they, and voted in this leader. And what do we get? We get Sidious. You know, we get a leader who's just going to, he takes away all their freedoms and wrecks havoc on the galaxy, you know? And so I think, I think that's really intentional here, you know what I mean? That we set up this queen who wasn't born into her power, but elected, given that power by the people, you know? It's... um. It really shows what happens when we listen to the light. When we listen to our hopes instead of our fears, we get Padme. That's perfect. I love that, Katie. Yeah. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're called Star Wars, but by the end of it, you know it ends with peace, right? right? Yeah. Peace. Right. Yeah. yeah, and and that's that's even more personified than when we get to Attack of the Clones, when she even mentions <laughs> to Anakin, right? Like they tried to amend the Constitution, keep me in office, but no, right. I, I was relieved. I had done yeah. my duty, right? And um, while I didn't finish Queen Shadow, I did love the beginning of that book so much, mm-hmm. and specifically like that opening scene where she's with the handmaidens and they're getting ready yeah. for their, like last night together as <laughs> Queen and handmaidens, and it's. You know, oh man, it's just so beautiful where there's obviously like this profound confusion of like what's next for me and oh man, like I, I loved I loved this. I loved yeah. my role here, but also I respect this process and I respect the people's vote. Like yeah. she is the pinnacle of what a good leader is. In yeah, a way that because like right, the dark side doesn't I mean sorry, the light side doesn't seek power, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when the people tried to give Padme more power and they're like, Oh, we're gonna amend the constitution, she's like, No, my time's done. Let's hear someone new. Let's hear new voices. You know, mm. she cedes that power. Palpatine though clings to it, right. right? This leader who was voted, you know, out of fear. You know, he he just clings to that power and, you know, and he keeps he stays emperor long after or he stays chancellor. Right. Long after his term has ended. Oh, because we're still at war. Right. Yeah. You know, we can't we can't end this war without him. He's we so need strong. That continuity. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, right. otherwise things will go wrong or something, you know, and he's like, oh, I, of course I will. Yeah. You know, and I. The power you give me, I will lay down when this crisis is abated. He says all sure. the nice, wonderful things to reassure their worried yeah. hearts. Yeah, but well, Katie, yeah, because once we're safe, I'll, you yeah. know, but you're never going to feel safe when you're acting on your fears. You will never feel safe when you act on your fears. Right. Never. Well, and even, and like, again, like, specifically in Phantom Menace, right? Like, the way Palpatine's working here is he knows, like, this is still a hopeful time where people do have this sense of the light and, and making decisions based mm-hmm. on the light and their hopes for the future. Mm-hmm. Well, he's sowed the seed of discontent for Valorum now yeah. and he uses the sympathy vote, right? So here he's taking advantage of yeah. even that process, right? He takes yeah. advantage of that sympathy vote to be elected chancellor and then creates a bigger crisis and then a war to maintain that power. But it's yeah. funny that the way he does get in, he is, I mean, in a way it is, legit right it's they call for the vote of no confidence they remove valorum then they vote for palpatine right Mm -hmm. but he uses he takes advantage of that hopefulness right yeah well yeah Yeah. he he preys on padme's fears you know yeah Yeah. well that padme directly says chancellor valorum seems to think there's hope if I may and, say yeah, so, you right? see, the Chancellor has little real power. He is mired by baseless accusations of corruption. The bureaucrats are in charge now. 
which means nothing will get done. Yeah, Your hope he, is misplaced. Exactly, right? No, so Padme could have... Ch- That's the thing. Padme's not perfect. I'm not trying to drag Padme being all like, ooh, she listened to her fears. She gave into the dark side exactly once. She's Boo, also Padme. 14. Yeah, um, right, no. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> girls allowed. To, she's allowed to make mistakes. All right, my home girl, Padme. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, but but yeah, he he preys on that fear. He makes her feel like it's hopeless. And if she trusts in Valorum, then you know, then her people are going to suffer and die. Right. Mm. My people are going to suffer and die while you debate in a committee. You right. know. And and so yeah, she calls for that vote of no confidence, and really she should not have. You know that that was a mistake on Padme's part because she again she was acting on her fears instead of her hopes, and and in that moment the dark side is allowed to endure. You know it's yeah. allowed to flourish. If she had acted on her hopes, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know. Yeah, people may have continued to suffer and die, and I can understand how that puts her in such a hard place because how can she condone that as a queen? You know what I mean? How can she condemn people to suffer and die because she's like, no, this this will work out. I promise. Like it's it's so hard, but just you know, it really does show how how acting on your fears has these just disastrous consequences. You know? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, and <laughs> and then yeah. we did you? Sorry, I was going to add uh, go to a different topic. Yeah, do you have no, anything else you it. wanted to say on that, Carl? No. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, we get. You know, one of the central themes, characters, ideas in this whole thing. We get Lil Annie. Aww. He starts out here. And, of course, you know, he's one of the other enduring factors in this whole saga. We, of course, you know, later becomes uh, Darth Vader, gets redeemed by Luke, his son, who goes on to, you know, we get the the, the generational thing. And we... You know, not in this film, but then we get the the legacy saber that gets passed down from one to the next, you know, generation. Um, so his he is still felt, and of course, you know, in the sequel trilogy, he is felt both by the light side and the dark side. The light side because uh, you know Luke is his son, and Luke became a Jedi like his father before him, and uh, that drives some of what Ray does. But also the dark side because when he fell. That is what Ben ended up idolizing once he turned into Kylo. So we've got little Anakin um, who has his moments of, of you know, anger and outburst in here. But they're still kind of innocent in a nice little kid way. Um, but, you know, the, the moment that I always remember from this movie uh, since they cut the, the brawl with the Greedo. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the moment I always remember in this movie is when Mace Windu says, no, he will not be trained. Oh. And, the, and the daggers, little Jake Lloyd, oh is just sending deep into Sam Jackson's heart. Um, <laughs> I'm going to throw it out the window someday. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, this, this is where, you know, Anakin enters the story you know not only do we have the machinations of palpatine that that really start kicking off here but we've got the opposite end side of of that coin you know getting into the story here too we've got the dark and the light uh, because ultimately anakin becomes a force for good uh, even though he takes a detour along the way um but his lasting legacy is 
you know, what he ends up passing on that Luke aspires to be, which is what inspires Ray, you know, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, when she's like, you know, I want to become a Jedi or whatever, you know, that, that, that kind of thing when she wants to be trained by Luke and then of course gets disappointed. Um, but you know, we, we, we have this, this through line that starts here and, uh, he becomes intricately woven into the story by not only becoming a Jedi, being trained by Obi-Wan, but having also becoming befriended by Palpatine. And so this this kid who is the chosen one, believed to be the chosen one by Qui-Gon Jinn, all, all, a lot of the things that we've already talked about tie back into Anakin. They weave the, these through lines weave in and out of Anakin's story all over the place. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, he's the he is the virgins. You know, he is this yep. place where everything coalesces, everything meets. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that actually kind of like leads me to the last point I wanted to make about the the movie. Um, is again, I know we've talked about this before, but Phantom Menace is really it's that it's the paradise story, it's the Garden of Eden story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is. Everything is somewhat ideal. You know, Jason, you mentioned having it on the background. And Katie, like you said, it's such a beautiful movie that yeah. I, I love that shot. The first shot we get of Feed, it's beautiful with the little oh. music under it. Yeah. The swim to Otto Gunga is probably one of my favorite shots in all of Star Wars. Like, it's yeah. beautiful and perfect. And that's the thing, right? Naboo is this beautiful, lush, and like artistic and alive planet. Um, mm-hmm. And that's and also even been, even Coruscant is portrayed, you know, in bright, you know, beautiful tones. You know, we don't get down into the underworld of it until Attack of the Clones. We don't see the other side of Coruscant, but it's even the cityscapes are are viewed in a, you know, in a more positive light here in yeah. the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the movie itself, and and like you were just the point you were just making with Anakin, how everything converges into him. Um, he is he is the hero of this. Well, he's the fallen hero, but he'll be the the focal point of this part of the saga. And where does he come from? He comes from this purely innocent place. He's a good person. Mm-hmm. You're a good person, Anakin. Don't do this. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he he truly is that, as we see in this film. The sad thing is, um, Qui Gon brings him into this center of confusion and disruption and chaos really that's starting to unravel within the Senate, within the Republic and certainly within the Jedi order. So as everything's kind of coming apart, we see how that's going to disrupt the beauty of the innocent nature of Anakin specifically and something as beautiful as the Naboo planet um you know and that's why i've always loved like return of the jedi right returning to endor this primitive beautiful place um to kind of restore what was corrupted here at the beginning so i'm really curious to see how they'll do that in nine um how to bring that full circle but um yeah i think that's you know one of the biggest things in this this film as well is is that theme yeah yeah i feel it oh my goodness i I think we did a good job keeping this relatively concise. I don't have much more to say. Uh, does uh, anybody else have anything that you want to bring up? 
I legit teared up three times during this conversation. I'm so surprised I didn't actually cry because that's how much I love talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you should go watch it when we're done. I'm watching it right now. Yeah. You swindled me. You knew the boy was going to win. Somehow you knew it. Gosh. So fantastic. There is, um, I I was just randomly thinking of this, um, and crazy. Obviously, it's something from from scripture. There's a there's a line in the prophet Jeremiah where he talks about how the the law, which is given to the people of Israel, like after the great exodus from their slavery in Egypt, right? They get the Ten Commandments and all these codified laws, which eventually start becoming a problem. Um, but Jeremiah says, I will no longer, you know, I will no longer give you the written law, but I will write my law on your hearts. And in other words, it's like this expression of I, my desire is to dwell within you. That's it. It's not to live, not to live with you, um, you know, in the confines of these codes and boundaries. And that's almost how I hear that voiceover from Luke in the rise of Skywalker is right. Like we mentioned already, you know, a thousand generations live in you now. They're alive in you. You don't need to build some sort of codified order, right, to live out the legacy of the Jedi. Um, I just think that's so cool. Um, So, yeah, like we often talk about how Luke is the Qui-Gon-like Jedi of Return of the Jedi. But I think Rey is going to be the most Qui-Gon-like Jedi since (laughs) Qui-Gon. Yeah. (laughs) Is the impression I'm getting. I agree. You know, Luke ends up more like Obi-Wan. Than Qui Gon. Oh, episode six, Obi Wan. Yeah, no, yeah, Luke. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode four. Yeah, yeah. Luke ends up more like episode four, Obi Wan, than Qui Gon. I think he mm-hmm. wanted to aspire to be, you know, kind of like what, what you know, what Qui Gon was, but he ends up more like Obi Wan, um, which is not a bad thing, but it's not necessarily what ultimately he needed perhaps um but yeah i think ray is going to go back to really kind of echo what we get with qui-gon here in the phantom menace and the the way that she views things and the way that qui-gon speaks about the living force i think is really something that ray is kind of tapped into Mm-hmm. And something that maybe she was naturally tapped into because that's kind of what what Ma- Maz kind of uh, intimates is that, you know, it, it's there. It's in you. You've got to, you know, close your eyes and, mm-hmm. you know, feel that what's in you already. You know, it's, it's like and and Ray's like, I don't want to. I'm afraid of it, you know, yeah. because mm-hmm. she it which makes me think that she's already on her own kind of tapped it. And it was so big and imposing that she's like, nope. And she closed that down. Until Maz sort of told her to, you know, go back. Um, so I think you're. I think, yeah, I think she's going to end up echoing a lot of Qui Gon's sentiments and Qui Gon's ideals um, when she, you know, that's, gets around to making her own decisions about what she's doing here. That's why she had his haircut in the Last Jedi. That's because <laughs> she's gonna. <laughs> she's gonna be the Qui Gon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, th- this was Very something nice. I was thinking while I was watching The uh, Phantom Menace tonight. Um, right, the, the line in Empire that, you know, a lot of people have rightfully so been like, that's weird. When Obi-Wan says to Luke, like, go, you know, 
go to Dagobah, you learn from Yoda, the mm. Jedi master who instructed me. Um, and while I do ultimately think like this was just some silly story writing by George, um, I kind of something I thought of tonight though, is in a way there's an, there's an accuracy to what he's saying. There's Yoda in empire strikes back essentially has become the student of Qui-Gon. So the lessons that Yoda teaches to Luke are lessons that he learned from Qui-Gon right during his exile. So in a way, there's a truth in that from a certain point of view that well, and, Yoda is the one who, you know, because and, and he Yoda's been teaching Obi-Wan how to commune with Qui-Gon uh, when they went into exile. You know, he, he says that, you know, uh, teachings I have for you, you know, how yeah. to commune. An old friend has uh, come back from the netherworld of the Force, your old master, Qui-Gon Jinn, you know. Um, and, you know, so, yes, Yoda has been teaching Obi-Wan, you know, all these years um, in exile to help commune and to, to, to reach that kind of new instruction that Yoda has been getting for the last year or so from Qui-Gon, you yeah. know, however long it's been since that Yoda arc in the Clone Wars. Um. <laughs> yeah. But Yoda very much by the time we get to Empire, Yoda has clearly become a lot like the Qui-Gon we meet in Phantom Menace. Yes. Um, in the sense of, like we kind of said earlier, and even the lessons, the the brief, most poignant lesson that Luke delivers to Rey in Last Jedi, which is simply to c- connect to the essence of the Force. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, cool. Wow, we did a good job of keeping that concise. Yay! Yes, I'm so proud <laughs> of us. <laughs> because you'll notice I didn't talk about Darth Maul once. That's how we stayed on track. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh I know that goodness. was very difficult, but you know, I don't see how <laughs> I, like, he, I, uh, I, I don't see how Maul himself, you know, would would span the discussion of a saga like this. He's really uh, you just awesome. wait, you just wait. He's going to be turn out to be Ray's dad, and then we'll have to talk. <laughs> like, then y'all have to talk about him. He'll be part of the conversation. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Oh uh, um, that's fantastic. <laughs> But before we we close up and depart, um, there's a there's a little uh, podcast project thing that's happened that I would like to bring everybody's attention to because it does involve Star Wars. Um, there's a if you don't mind, yeah, okay. There's a new podcast called Blockbuster. Oh uh, yeah, I, okay. Have you have you heard of this? Carl? I just saw it on Twitter tonight. Okay, so. Basically, it the the creator calls it a docupod, um, so it's a full like documentary uh, docudrama that's made for podcast, um, and so it's it starts with the story of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas becoming friends and making Jaws and Star Wars. So the first six episodes are all about that. That's season one. And then they're going to do future seasons about other blockbuster movies and the stories behind them and the creatives behind them. Um, but they've got a narrator who sort of you know narrates the whole story, but they've also got people, voice actors, who are acting out the important scenes that happen um, in these stories, you know, in, in these, these histories. And it's taken from, you know, various interviews and uh biographies and things like that in order to get the conversations 
you know, write and everything that's extensively researched, but I've just started them. Um, and, and so I'm still pretty early on and I'm not into Star Wars yet, but uh, they're really good and I think it's going to be really awesome. So people, if you're looking for something else to uh, sync your, you know, headphones into, check out Blockbuster. Cool. Yeah, cool. Oh. Um, all right. Well, uh, before we wrap up, we have a poll for everyone. We do. Um, and we want to know who your favorite character is from the Phantom Menace. So Phantom Menace specific, folks. Um, are you guys allowed? I don't know if you guys are allowed to not vote for Darth Maul. I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's even okay. What are the rules here? Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm going to have to pick between Newt Gunray and Jar Jar Binks. So... Um, <laughs> Anyways, um, but yes, favorite character from The Phantom Menace. And Carl, if people want to weigh in on the the poll or anything we discussed here tonight, where can they do that? Uh, They can do it on Twitter. You can follow us at Wampas Lair. Um, We're on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. You can email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow Katie. Where? You guys can follow me on Twitter at PoHotDameron. Oh, yeah. It's a good time, folks. You should do that. (laughs) All right. Anything else as we close down this episode? No. Boy, boy, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, boy, I love you. <laughs> That's um, me at this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for joining us as we journey towards the rise of Skywalker with our look back at each of these movies. It'll be a monthly uh, segment we do leading up to December of this year so stay tuned and thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast stay tuned for the next episode of Star Wars Radio Drama this has been episode number 333 Virgins in the Force for Carl and Katie I'm Jason and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Episode 5. So turns a galaxy, so turns a wheel. time ago in a galaxy far far away there came a time of revolution when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire after decades of conflict and war the vast struggle is about to play itself to a conclusion on and around the idyllic forest moon of the planet Endor the rebels makeshift armada is on its way to attack the Empire's new Death Star but its success depends on a fearless expeditionary force far below on the forest moon, which is struggling to deactivate the defensive shield protecting the battle station. 
but their plans are not as secret as they would wish. The rebels' every move has been foreseen by their greatest adversary, the Emperor Palpatine. Now, waiting in his throne room, he looks to the servant and the conquest that will gain him more power than any mere military victory could provide. before you in obedience. Obedience, you say? Yet I told you to remain on the command ship to carry out my order. A small rebel infiltration force has penetrated our energy shield and landed on the sanctuary moon of Endor. I am aware of it. My son is with them. Are you certain? I have felt him. Master. Strange that I have not. I wonder if your feelings on this matter are clear, Lord Vader. They are clear, my master. But I sense that Skywalker has grown strong in the Force. That is of no significance to me. Go to the Sanctuary Moon and wait for him. When he comes, bring him here before me. As you wish. My master. Even so. And here I shall either make Skywalker my own, or I shall destroy him. Luke! Luke, get over here! What is it, Han? Did you find Leia? Oh, Master Luke, if only we had. Her speeder's behind that fallen tree, totally. There's two more wrecked speeders back there. And I found her helmet. Leia must still be alive. It's the only explanation. But I'm afraid that our two sensors can find no trace of the princess in this vicinity. What about Chewie? Can't he track her? What, Chewie? Yeah, he says something else has been here. Something besides stormtroopers. Whatever it was, it left no tracks when it was done. Yeah, Chewie thinks it covered Leia's, too. Oh, dear. You mean something is stalking the princess? That doesn't make sense. Why would something... What? Well, let's go see. He says he's picked up a scent. Over here. He's right. There's something there. I think he's found it. What? <laughs> what is this thing? I don't get it. It would appear to be an animal carcass hung from a wooden pole. Someone's lunch. <laughs> it is. It doesn't say much for their appreciation of the fine dining experience. No, I don't want to taste it. Chewbacca, step away from it. No, don't touch it. Chewie, wait! No! It's a trap! Oh, nice work, Chewie! You got us snared in a net trap! One would suppose a 200-year-old woman to have learned a measure of self-restraint. Great! Always thinking with your stomach. Well, you take it easy. Let's just figure out a way to get out of this oversized string bag. Oh, Han, can you reach my lightsaber? Yeah, of course I can. Oh, no problem. I'll be right with you. Arthur, what do you mean you'll handle this? 
I'm not sure that cutting the bottom of the net open with your circular saw is at all a good idea. What's he doing? All, From up here, it's a very long time. Me too, Julie. I must have hit my head. Is it my imagination? Or are the bushes moving? It's not your imagination, Han. What in the starry-eyed universe are those things? Hey! Point that spear someplace else, you furry butterball. Hunt, no blasters. They got us covered from all sides. Captured by a pack of axe-waving gremlins. I'm never gonna live this down. Hey, hands off the blaster! Calm down, Han. It'll be all right. Here, you can have my lightsaber. All right. Here, take the gun. Chewie, give me your bowcaster. R2, where's 3PO? We need a translator. I think he landed in those ferns. My head. What a nerve-shattering plunge. My equilibrium compensators. Oh, goodness. Gracious Master Luke, who are these rotund, hirsute little beings? Well, that's what you're supposed to be telling us. Oh, well, uh, well, I shall inquire. Frito Dogra. Isoyoto Muno Noka. Repio, do you understand anything they're saying? Oh, yes, Master Lu. Remember, I am fluent in over six million forms of communication. What are you telling them? Hello, I think. I could be mistaken. These creatures seem to call themselves Ewoks. Ewoks? Why are they all bowing and crooning to you, Goldenrod? They're using a very primitive dialect, but I do believe they think I am some sort of god. <laughs> well, why did you use your divine influence and get us out of this mess? I beg your pardon, General Solo, but that just wouldn't be proper. Proper? It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. <laughs> no problem. I'll just open you up right here and do a little field <laughs> modification on you. Easy, Han. <laughs> a stone arrowhead will kill you just as dead as a blaster. Hey, sorry, boys. My mistake. He's an old friend of mine. What are they doing, 3PO? Tebow, the war party leader there, and has decided to take us back to their village. <laughs> they are building a sedan chair on which I will ride. And sorry to say, sir, they are also preparing carry poles on which they will lash you and the others. Oh, no, nobody's tying me to a pole. Han, the whole Death Star attack's riding on what we do now. All right. All right, but I don't have to like it. Hey, watch it, will you? Village in the treetops. Oh, isn't this splendid? Wooden bridges in the air and homes carved from tree trunks. <laughs> oh, how quaint that he walks traveling on a swinging vine. Oh. Well, the view's less impressive for those of us hanging upside down, oh, almighty talking blocks. What now, 3PO? Well, we have reached the village square, Master Luke. Our fate is to be decided by Logray, the village farmer. <laughs> What's going on? Why are they propping me over a fire pit, 3PO? I have no idea. Shall I ask, sir? I have a really bad feeling about this. 
3PO, who's this coming? That's uh, is Lord Ray, the shaman. Um, as I understand it, Master Luke, the forest has been invaded by stormtroopers. The Ewoks presume you to be enemies. Uh, excuse me. Uh, What's he saying? I'm rather embarrassed, General Solo, but it appears you are to be the main course at a banquet in my honor. What? And you are to, are to be reclaimed for usable scraps. <laughs> Don't blame me, that's how Robbery phrased it. So, Luke, time to get undiplomatic yet? There's always time for that, Han. Only if you're captured by vegetarians. Han? Luke! Doing here, Leia. Hey, princess. I see you finally let your hair down. Looks good. Tebow, Lagre, this is all a misunderstanding. Tebow, you've got to release them. Stay back, Leia. Tebow, no. Put the spears down. Back away, Leia, before you end up on the buffet table too. Lagre, these are my friends. Three PO, tell him Luke Han and the others must be set free. Gokta Toto. Somehow I get the feeling that didn't help us very much. They're stoking up the cooking fire. 3PO, tell them if they don't do as you command, you'll become angry and use your magic. But Master Luke, what magic? I could possibly... Just tell them. Boom! Luke, aren't you even going to watch what happens? Don't distract him, Han. He's calling on the force. Well, he'd better, because Lagre's not buying it. And the, the flames are already at charmed royal temperature. You see, Master Luke, they didn't Gravity believe that me. holds us as a tenuous bond. Just as I said they wouldn't. What's happening to me? I'm, I'm floating, floating in the air. Oh, 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 don't let me float away. Oh, get me down. Help, somebody help, Master Luke. Luke, you are the one doing this, aren't you? Hush, let him concentrate. When the force warrants, even gravity yields. This is it. No, they're releasing you. See? Remind me to ask Luke later if he can do that with dice. Gravity enfolds you again, 3PO. Gently down you come. Oh, oh, thank the maker. Some sanity is returning to the laws of nature. Hey, you, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Ewoks. Untie these things and move smartly. Leia, tell the one who's untying R2 to be careful. He's still miffed about this whole thing. R2, that's enough. Well done, 3PO. Never knew I had it in me, Master Luke. You squelched the sacrifice. Now let's see if you can get the Ewoks on our side. But I'm not programmed for propaganda or political agitation, sir. We just need you to do what you do best, 3PO. Translate the words. Tell the story. Tell the story? <laughs> Why, sir, that would be a distinct pleasure. Three people can really pack a house, huh? There are representatives here from every community in the region. Got enough legroom there, Chewie? Oh, let me rephrase that. Um, Chenko Baskimo, Gokmin Nami Death Star. 
That's much more like it. Kind of handy to have a storyteller who makes his own sound effects, huh? C-3PO. I certainly am not self-aggrandizing, you intrusive little dustbin. Am I, Master Luke? You're doing fine, 3PO. Thank you. Us, Michi on Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Imani Machu Vedo con Yomu. Yes, R2, I was just coming to that. Ron Togosh, to Ron Togosh. Master Luke, a chimney to do. Millennium Falcon, that chimney, Cloud City. Us, Nutch, Vader. Han Solo, Tikalo, Carbon. Whoa, what gives? Why is this kid hugging me? Looks like you've got a fan. Okay, short stuff, but quit teething on my finger. <laughs> what are they saying, 3PO? The Ewoks want to know where they fit into the story, sir. They wish their deeds against the Empire to be remembered, too. What? Myth and life are strongly intertwined for Ewoks. If I make them part of the tale, it will, in their minds, make them a part of the rebellion. Do it, 3PO. Defeating the Empire is their only hope, just as it's ours. Very good, Master Luke. That Toto Salque Endor, new Ewoks Munturi, Jamo Fu Wicked Chabe Logra, Oro Chief Chirpa Pachka, Peach Kama Iiku, Death Star. What's going on? I don't know. Wonderful. 3PO, translation, please. Chief Chirpa says that we are now a part of the tribe. Just what I always wanted. They could be important allies, Han. They've even got war machines. Primitive, but they could be useful. Oh, dandy. Maybe they've got a wooden turbo laser cannon. Maybe they do. You have to look beyond appearances, Han. Luke? What's wrong? Nothing. I'm okay. I just need some air. Might as well give in there, Chewie. They're not going to leave you alone till you dance. <laughs> yeah, short help is better than no help at all, pal. Oh, thanks, Wicked. It's a real honor. Thank you. Uh, Wicked is saying the Ewok scouts are going to show us the quickest way to the Imperial Shield Generator. Good. How far is it? Uh, go on and ask him. Oh, um, wait, wait, wait. Where'd Luke go? He's got to hear this. 3PO, tell Wicked we need some fresh supplies, too. Shadow a magnet. And 3PO, try to get our weapons back. I'll go find Luke. Um, Frida. And hurry up, will you? I haven't got all day. Why, sir? Are there other droids you need to drive to distraction before retiring? Luke? Luke, why did you leave? What's bothering you? Leia. Do you remember your mother? Your real mother? Yeah. Just a little bit. She died when I was very young. What do you remember? Oh, just images, really. Feelings. Tell me. She was very beautiful. Kind, but sad. Why are you asking me this? I have no memory of my mother. I never knew her. What is it, Luke? What's troubling you? Vader is here. Now, on this moon. How do you know? I feel his presence. He's come for me. He can feel it when I'm near. As long as I stay here, I'm endangering the group and our mission. I have to go. I have to face him. Why? 
us. He's my father. Your father? There's more. It won't be easy for you to hear this, but you must. If I don't make it back, you're the only hope for the Alliance. Look, don't talk that way. You have a power I... I don't understand, and I could never have... You're wrong, Leia. You have that power, too. In time, you'll learn to use it as I have. The Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. And my sister has it. Sister? Yes. It's you, Leia. I know. Somehow I've always known. Then you know why I have to face him. No, Luke, run away. If he can feel your presence, then leave this place. I wish I could go with you. No, you don't. You've always been strong. You were strong when you slew Jabba the Hutt to free yourself. Yes. I thought of the evil Jabba had done, and suddenly I was strong. Stronger than I'd ever been. It frightened me later, the strength I had at that moment. You see? You're the daughter of Anakin Skywalker. Darth Vader. But why must you confront him? Because... There is still good in him. I felt it. He won't turn me over to the Emperor. I can save him, I know I can. I can turn him back from the dark side of the Force. I have to do it, Leia. I think I knew that, too. I must leave now. May the Force be with you, Leia. And with you, Luke. Hey, Leia. What's going on? Nothing, Helen. I just want to be alone for a little bit. Nothing? Hey, come on. Tell me, what's the problem? I can't tell you. Could you tell Luke? Is that who you could tell? Oh, Han. I... Ah, forget I asked. No, wait. That's not how I want to leave this. I'm sorry, Leia. Just hold me on. We brought a rebel who surrendered to us at the forest perimeter. He was armed only with this lightsaber. I'll take it, Commander. The captive denies it, but I believe there may be more of them. I request permission to conduct a thorough search of the area. Permission granted, Commander. Conduct your search and bring his companions to me. Yes, my lord. The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self. You've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. 
That's why you couldn't destroy me. That's why you won't bring me to your Emperor now. I see you have constructed a new lightsaber. Your Jedi skills are complete. Indeed, you are powerful as the Emperor has foreseen. Then come away with me, Father. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. I will not turn, and you'll be compelled to kill me. If that is your destiny. Search your feelings, father. I feel the conflict within you. It is too late for me, son. I have no choice but to bring you before the Emperor. He will show you the true nature of the Force. He is your master now. I see it. Keep your voice down. The Ewoks were right. This back door to the bunker complex isn't nearly as well protected as the main entrance. They assure me that it does give access to the shield generator installation. Well, that's all we need. Wait, where'd our lookout go? I don't know, sir. Pepto appears to have slipped off on his own. What is it, Wicked? Well, as long as he stays out of our way. You ready, Chu? Watch out for the guards to the left. By the speeder bikes, it only takes one to raise the alarm. Yeah, well, then we'll take him out real quiet, Mike. Weren't you saying something like that yesterday? Cute. Okay, Chewie. Oh, my. Oh, Princess Leia. Look there, beyond the speeder bikes. Oh, man. Papu. I'm afraid our furry little companion has gone and done something rather rash. There goes our surprise attack. He's stealing a speeder, but he can't possibly know how to fly one safely. Well, safety ain't the point of a joyride, 3 po There's the voice of experience. I don't believe it. He got the engine fired up. Stop him! Oh, there he goes. He's clinging onto the handlebars for dear life. It'll be interesting to hear how he got along without using the foot pedals. Brilliant. Don't you see what he's done? He's drawn away all the sentinels but one. Not bad for a little furball. Get the commandos into position. Chewy and me will take care of the last guy. Trivio, keep out of line of fire. Line of fire? Arto, Wicket, I have decided we shall remain right here. Headquarters. Any word yet on pursuit of that runaway? Excuse me, pal. Is this where I sign up for the bunker tour? What? Halt! Get your hands up! No, I don't think so. Halt! Stop where you are! Freeze! Drop the weapon, Private. He's all yours, Major Gerland. Yes, sir. Keep the prisoner covered. You two disarm him. The complex door's unlocked, Han. Okay, Major, let's go. Right. Demolition squad, prepare to move out. I want two fire teams to establish security at this point. Give me a 360-degree feel of fire centered on this airlock door. I have brought our new slave as you commanded, my master. Your prisoner, but not your slave, Palpatine. Welcome to my new Death Star, young Skywalker. 
I have been expecting you. What is thy bidding, my master? We've no further need to keep our guests' wrists shackled, do we? Would you not prefer it if your binders opened of their own accord, young man? Such a minor feat for the Emperor of the Galaxy. I look forward to completing your training. In time, you too will call me Master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Oh no, my young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. Here is his lightsaber, my master. Ah, yes. A Jedi's weapon. Very much like Anakin Skywalker's. By now you must know your father can never be turned from the dark side. So it will be you're wrong. Soon I'll be dead, and you with me. <laughs> Perhaps you refer to the imminent attack of your rebel fleet. I... Yeah. I assure you that we here in the Death Star are quite safe from your friends. Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your naive faith in your friends is yours. It is pointless to resist, my son. Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Your friends down there on the sanctuary moon of Endor are walking into a trap. As is your scruffy little armada. It was I who permitted the Alliance to discover the location of the defensive shield generator. You're bluffing. No. Our bunker complex is quite safe from your pitiful band of commandos. A legion of my best troops awaits them in ambush. I don't believe you. But you will. I'm afraid the deflector shield of this battle station will be fully operational when your fleet arrives. We will entrap your friends in a killing box and grind them up with image. So will end forever the Rebel Alliance. Emperor Palpatine has ensnared his prey at the very moment when patterns of the Force are converging. All unaware, the friends who matter most to Luke Skywalker tread on the brink of the abyss. And it seems that in the battlefield of Darth Vader's heart, Luke has already met defeat. But not all is yet said. Not all is done. The Jedi fire still flickers in the universe in one last lone night. That flame must now shine forth at its brightest or go dark forever.
Star Wars Return of the Jedi by Brian Daly. Based on characters and situations created by George Lucas and on the screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Joshua Farden as Luke Skywalker, Paul Hecht as the Emperor, Perry King as Han Solo, Brock Peters as Darth Vader, Anne Sachs as Princess Leia, and Tom Virtue as Major Derlin. This is Ken Hiller. Star Wars Return of the Jedi was directed by John Madden and produced by Tom Vagley. The co-producer was Julie Hartley. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Music by John Williams. Post-production was realized with assistance from Tom Mudge and John Scherf by Tom Vagley. Star Wars Return of the Jedi was produced by Highbridge Audio in association with Tom Vagley Productions and L.A. Theatre Works and with the cooperation of Lucasfilm Limited. <laughs>